Hello everybody and welcome to Project Shadow. My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And hi. Yesterday was an emotional day and hopefully you enjoyed yesterday's podcast as much as I enjoyed doing it. Um, I was shocked when I actually saw the final podcast because it was only I think around 15 minutes long and that's one of the reasons why I have been saying like a broken record on here if you're not following the show on anchor you miss out on quite a bit so if you head over to anchor.fm slash project shadow you can find the podcast there you can find the live channel there you can also download the app follow us in the app and you will get access to the full show which is posted for 24 hours there which yesterday included a lot of music. Yesterday was quite a musical day, and it it was shocking when I saw that after, because I can't include the music in the podcast for copyright reasons, that after the music was taken out, there was only 15 minutes of show, because there was lots and lots and lots of show yesterday. So, definitely, if you haven't followed us over there, followed me over there, definitely go over there and follow me. But today has been about the continual reorganization of my life and getting some story written. I am working on a story right now called The Withering, which is going to be one of the free stories. It's going to be up on ashdancer.com soon with a couple others. I'm redoing the Start Here section. I'm really excited about it because it's all going to be insetting story stuff and hopefully... Hopefully you'll like it as much as I am. I read part of it to Brian this morning, and he seemed to really get a kick out of it. And, yeah. So, today is a writing day. You know how writing days go. I do track of time, and I do so, so many things. But, yeah. So, I'm going to be working on The Withering for the majority of the day. Hopefully I'll be able to get into the next story, which is going to be a... uh, brief intro story to the Ash Dancer and the idea of the Ash Dancer and I think that's going to be it for the new start here section maybe a little bit about the state of the world maybe a third story or third article not sure what I'm going to do about that but I would love your feedback and your intentions I wish this was a video podcast right now because Brian is currently creeping through the room like a drunk velociraptor with his arms up and (laughs) he just uh, reared back and stuck his tongue out because he's making fun of me and one of those few moments when I wish that this was video so I could flip the camera around so y'all could have seen that because oh that's too funny that's way too funny but yeah so if you have any questions or comments about this or anything going on in the news or any announcements that you want to make, don't forget that you can call in using the Anchor app. I got some questions yesterday about how call-ins work. Um, they're not available on the web. You have to actually have the app on your phone, the Anchor app on your phone. And in the bottom left, either under the logo for the show channel, you'll see the call-in. Or if you're listening to the show at the time... On the bottom left, you'll see the call-in button there. You just click that, and you can leave up to a minute of sound for me to 
listen to and and reply to. And remember, any call-ins that you do can and possibly will be used on the show. So, hopefully I'll hear from you guys soon. Before then, there's at least one thing we have to talk about today. Okay, so today I saw a story out of San Diego Comic-Con that basically said that on a panel where Adam Savage and a bunch of people, including my beloved John Barrowman, were discussing, like, cliched geek questions, and I really mean cliched, like, just shut up already, like, nobody cares, nobody cared when they were actually questions going around, nobody cares now questions, they brought up the question of Star Trek versus Star Wars, which is better, and... First of all, I hate questions like that because they don't make any sense and they don't matter. They're just division for division's sake and you're, you're geek baiting. You're trying to start an argument for no good reason. And, well, Mr. Savage did so. Um, and I'm not going to go after him too badly because I want to kind of talk about this more broadly. But apparently his response was that Star Trek needs to just be thrown out because it provides a glimpse at an unrealistic utopian future that we will never get to and Star Wars's dystopian view of the world is much more realistic and thus is the only thing that sci-fi people should be into and oh blather skype boulder dash mm, nephew and your nephew neff head just Oh, okay. <laughs> I hear these kinds of arguments from people on various things. I mean, Richard Dawkins said that it's child abuse to let your kids read Harry Potter because you can't just wave a magic wand in the real world and you're doing psychological harm. Okay. People like this make me angry and make me sick. And when I say make me sick, like, you know that kind of sick that you feel in your stomach when you see someone abusing a child or an animal or something yeah that kind of sick not like oh I feel bad no just that and a lot of it has sorry trying to calm down I waited till later in the day like hours after I read the story to do this because I knew I was going to lose it and I'm trying to stay calm um okay benefit of something like a Star Trek, and yes, it does show a fairly idealized future, if you mean a future that still has crime syndicates and drug problems and problems with addiction and lying and thieving and war, and (laughs) yeah, idealized, governmental corruption, yeah, idealized. First of all, I always feel when I hear this crap, it's from people that have never actually watched the series because if you watch any of the Star Treks there are stories about governmental intrigue and there are stories about theft and lying and stealing and war and all of the things that make it clearly not a utopia yes the problems of Earth have been solved in most of the Star Trek stories and by the problems on Earth they're talking about poverty and hunger and disease which are things that are technologically possible to solve You can grow enough food to feed everybody. You can 
build an economy that's not based on scarcity. These are things that are technologically possible, and not only technologically possible, they're technologically feasible within our own lifetimes for a lot of things. 3D printing, for example, has done a lot to get rid of the scarcity problem in with people with uh, needing replacement limbs and things, you know? Replacement parts, all kinds of things. You know, we're not there yet. We don't have the ability to just turn energy into matter and make everything all good, but it is possible. And the purpose of stories like this is to give us a shining light, a place that we can go to, a place to aspire to be. And without aspirations, where are we going to get? Because if you want to talk about things being unrealistic, you know, I've meditated for the vast majority of my life. I'm 40 years old right now. I'll be 41 in November. I've never been able to make a rock move by waving my hand at it. No matter how forceful I push, people don't fall down. It's about aspiration. Aspiration is what is important. Both Star Trek and Star Wars use mythological themes in order to get people to aspire to be better than who and what they are. Star Wars is a morality tale. It is a story of good against evil, right against wrong, heroes versus villains. And the entire function of the story is to get you to aspire to be one of the heroes and not one of the villains. It is a morality tale. It is a story about how to better yourself, how to better your community, how to stand up against oppression. An ethical morality tale. Star Trek, on the other hand, while it does have episodes and sometimes even films that delve into morality very heavily, is aspirational in a completely different way. The mythological themes that are most highly stressed in the Star Trek universe are exploration, curiosity, and progress. And those are the things that Star Trek is trying to get you to focus on. While Star Wars is mired in its ethics, and not for a bad reason, that's what it is. Star Trek is trying to get you to look outside of yourself, trying to get you to look outside of the situation that you currently find yourself in, to find that corner that no one has turned around before, and the path that no one has walked. These are completely different types of myths. They are completely different types of stories. They are not trying to get us to see everything the same way. When you're dealing with an aspirational story that is focused so heavily on curiosity and exploration. The whole purpose of the story is to instill courage and awaken that innate curiosity that we all have to wonder what is over there. What would happen if? What would happen if we did this? What would it be like if we lived on the moon, if we lived on Mars, if we went out into space, if we ran into alien species, if we tried to have negotiations with them, if we learned how to coexist with each other? What would it be like? It's a completely different question set that we're going for. And to try to discuss the possible realities of either one of these two universes is ludicrous because as much as I like to be a hippy-dippy spiritual kind of guy, 
I ain't seen people really using the force lately. I haven't seen people jumping 40, 50 feet in the air to <laughs> catch onto a flying car and run away. I'm not seeing that. And I don't know that I will ever see that without use of a jetpack. The whole point of these stories is not to be realistic. The whole point of these stories is to affect us in the ways that they are intended to affect us. In Star Wars' sake, yet again, it's a morality tale. In Star Trek's, it's a curiosity tale. One is a serendipity tale. It's about we're out on this journey, this never-ending journey, and here's all the marvelous adventures that happen to us along the way. In fact, we get our, serend our, our word serendipity from a, a, an Indian epic about people on their way to what is now Sri Lanka and to the land of Serendripa. They're, they're headed there, and it's about all the adventures that they have along the way. That's what Star Trek is. It is that serendipitous adventure that I want to know what's over there. I want to know what's around the corner. And, oh, here are the things that happened to me on the way there. Dark Wars is just that black and white morality tale. And anytime it's tried to diverge from that, there have been arguments amongst the fans because it doesn't feel right. And that's what you have. This is, and while I love Adam Savage and those like him who get blinded to their own specific little issues, and honestly, this is me being blinded by one of my specific little issues because I'm a mythologist at heart. I love stories. I love fiction. I love the world of stories and how they work. But you have to open your eyes to what these stories are at their core and not get distracted into these silly little things. Because honestly, if you want to have that discussion, then Firefly is really the only thing that we should be talking about because it does not include faster than light travel. We don't have nation states anymore, everything's fallen under the power of corporations, and China runs everything. Hello, it's the Flapton here. You know, I have to agree with you with this whole Star Trek, Star Wars thing. And I always get asked that same thing, is Star Wars better than Star Trek or vice versa? Everyone thinks because I have that whole ship thing that Star Trek is automatically better. But you know what? It's not an either or. It's two different minds um, different creative stories that it came out of and why does it have to be an either-or thing I've never understood that they're both really good it's just like children you have more than one child they're both excellent in their own ways they're individuals they're different and you can look them both the same so I've never understood that whole thing but that's interesting that you brought up Firefly because it seems to me that Firefly is the one that is a little more realistic about today's society than anything else. Anyway, love the podcast. Love you. I agree with you, Flapton. I just have to start by saying, wow, your voice sounds really good recorded. Like, really good. It's just beautiful. Anyway, oh, sorry, that's a distraction. Yeah, I... Oh, this is where I get myself into trouble, but I feel like... We have overly romanticized some of our fandoms to the point where our own more national mores about monogamy have gotten involved. Where, you know, you love your fandom, you love the series that you're into to the point where 
you know, it's yours and you're so emotionally invested in it and we're going to be together forever and how dare you think that I would cheat on my beloved fandom with another fandom. I'm not going to do that. I am a pure in my love for my fandom. And this is... Every time I hear somebody talk about, well, you can't like this if you like that, that's where my mind goes. That's immediately where my mind goes. Because, you know what, I can love this, and I can love that, and I'm not cheating on Star Trek to like Star Wars or vice versa. I'm not cheating on any of them. They don't love me. They don't care about me. They're never going to care about me. They like the money that I ship their way. That's the only part of this that is part that, that, that can be shipped is the money. They like your money, they don't like you. And so there's no point getting all twisted up in this purity, but my love is pure and I would never cheat on my beloved series because oh so much love. Yeah, well that's wonderful, but you're just denying yourself access to other things. As far as Firefly goes, I had a few very interesting conversations with some people at Shore Leave this year who are very disturbed at the series for its neo-Confederate imagery and blah, 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 blah. But I think that we as a people, and I'm going to say this specifically as an American because I've grown up an American and I don't have a context outside of this, and if anybody's listening from another country who would like to chime in on this, I would love to get your opinion there. But we love underdogs in this country. I think that's one of the reasons why we have this bizarre love affair with the Confederacy, because we see them knowing the end of the war as the people who lost, as this ragtag group of underdogs who you kind of want to root for because we're the kind of people that root for the underdog and that's why a lot of that imagery gets brought into something like a firefly because of our experience with civil war when you do an american tv series that deals with the aftermath of a civil war a lot of those images get written into it i I think that's kind of a cultural I don't want to say prison or trap, but those are the only two words that are coming to mind. That's the cultural prism. There you go. That your story gets told through, and it makes it difficult for you to visualize that in a different way. And it is much more realistic in some respects, the corporate takeover, the dominance of Chinese culture, and for what anybody thinks or says about the use of Chinese in the series, that's neither here nor there. It, it is, it was forward-looking enough that, yes, soon, if not now, China is going to be a dominant, if not the only, superpower. And it saw that coming. It saw the rise of the corporate control of everything, which is a big theme of the show. And if we're going to try to talk about shows that accurately predict the future, it may be more accurate, especially when you get into the idea of the Earth that was, and that we messed up Earth so much we had to move out into the solar system 
and move out into space because our planet was no longer habitable. And you can see us kind of pushing in those ways too, I hate to say. But you can love more than one fandom, man. Like, they don't love you. You're not cheating. It's not cheating to love Star Trek and Star Wars and Firefly and everything else. It's me again. I guess I have nothing to do on a Friday night. But anyway, you're right. It's not cheating. I love so many different genres or fandoms. Doctor Who, Star Wars, Star Trek. I mean, you name it, I love it. Battlestar Galactica. Oh yeah, I'm just screaming on that one. But for me, it's different because I'm not like that super fan. I couldn't tell you what actor did what scene. You know, it amazes me when I hear some of my friends say things like that. They know what episode this happened. And I think, wow, I'm just not that super fan. But I love all of the different ideas because, you know, I guess I'm just an average fan. I mean, I guess maybe an average geek. But I don't know that it doesn't love me. I think it does because it gives me so much joy. And you have to have love something to get that much joy, right? For starters, um, back in the olden days of fandom, like back when it first got started, I'm talking about from about 1937 into the mid to late 60s, there was actually a differentiation made between the fans and what they refer to as the fen. The fen, F-E-N, were those people that you're talking about, like me, who know the actors and know every little minute detail and... You know, I learned Klingon back in the day because I love Star Trek and I wanted to know more about the Klingons and I thought learning their language would help me enjoy them more, and it did. But that's the kind of language geek that I am as well. But, yeah, we actually used to, within fandom general, have two separate words that we used for these two different types of fans, that everyone could be a fan, and then there was the subset of Fen, who, you know, understood the various drafts that a novel went through to get to the state that it's currently in. And that's a bit of nomenclature that's been lost in fandom over the years, but it's a fun little note to bring out. As far as loving your fa fandoms and loving the things that you're into, yeah, I, I, there are many things that I love, and there's many strange and wondrous things that I love. And sometimes you get to have wonderful experiences as a result of that. I mean, I'll never forget when I met James O'Barr and he realized that I had comics of his all over the place, because I am a fan of his work, not just of a series that he did. And... I actually got to talk to him for hours about that. And yeah, that was kind of fandom reciprocating on itself. You know, and that is something that happens. And it's also something that's rare. You know, yes, I get a lot out of the things that I love. And I think it's very important to have those things that you really have a connection to. And for me, that's Star Trek. I watch Star Trek every day. Every day. That's part of my, it's getting time to shut down and go to bed. I'll put on an episode of Star Trek and I just cycle through the series and watch one episode a day. And I do that every day, you know, and I, I read my Star Wars comics on the weekends and 
I participate as much as I can in these things. And that's good. That's helpful. That's wonderful. And that is, just to go back to being the weird mythology geek that I am, and back to my you know, initial argument here, that's what actually actualizes the ideas that are in the story when you start having those participations in them, even if they're minor participations. You know, having someone just put on a Starfleet uniform while at a convention, they are, whether they realize it or not, psychologically putting on what that means to be a member of Starfleet. That idea of edict, infinite diversity and infinite combination. That idea of the prime direct directive, that you don't interfere in the actions of others. Those core ideas and concepts, that curiosity, the, you, you are putting that on ritually whether you realize it's happening or not. And that's one of the brilliant things about fandom is that it takes these stories that could remain just stories and actualizes them in a way that when we are watching them, when we're talking about them with our friends, when we are participating through cosplay or roleplay or what have you, makes them real and tangible in our lives. And some people think that I am too high and mighty when it comes to fandom about stuff like this, but I really think that fandom has the power and ability to change lives for the better because it gives us a place to play with ideas that we never would have played with before. And shows like Battlestar Galactica did this really well with asking the question over and over, what is, he, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to have your own purpose? What does it mean to be an, an individual? When you're in a culture where there are thousands of you, what does that mean to be who you are? And those things are really important and powerful for all of us.